Molly, the Rangers are back home after a four-game road trip, but we're not really counting the Bruins. But now apparently all the Rangers want to do is play overtime and shoot out games. But, uh, you know, at least they're exciting games and they're winning some. So it must be nice to be back in New York, Molly. I was saying to the other writers in the press box, we were just talking about when the last game was that we had like a comfortable third period where we were just chilling, you know, not waiting to see how the game was going to be decided. Like it was one way or the other even. And it's been, it's been a really long time. I would go as far to say maybe like the five, two win against LA. That was probably the last time. And that was at the end of last month. So it's, it's been some time since the Rangers have made it easy on themselves. A little home cooking will hopefully do them some good despite back to back matchups coming up with the Penguins and then a home and away with the hurricane but hopefully home cooking is good for them home cooking is good for you molly home cooking is good for our guest as always larry brooks we're covering all that and a lot more on this week's episode of the up in the blue seats podcast from the new york post ladies and gentlemen we ask that you direct your attention to center ice for a special presentation Welcome back to the Up in the Blue Seats podcast, our New York Rangers podcast from the New York Post. Plenty to get into today. Obviously, I am not Jake Brown. I have hair on my head if you're what podcast on YouTube. Jake is uh, he'll be out on pinch hitting. And uh, thankfully, we have a, a busy show today. We have, as always, great Hall of Famer Larry Brooks. He'll be joining us a little later. He'll be answering some uh, some questions from the fans and perhaps give us another one of his famous New York Ranger nicknames. Uh, we just stay tuned for that. You'll have to see what that might be. But until then, we are joined by the New York Post Rangers beat writer Molly Walker, and she is back from the road trip. She's back from celebrating her birthday in the uh, the great state of New York, but mm, Buffalo, it's not doesn't really doesn't really count. I don't really sorry, Buffaloans, Buffaloans. I don't know what they're they're called. But regardless, Rangers, as you might have heard, uh, big road trip. They just had, uh, you know, look, th- there's plenty of places we can start here, Molly. First, you wrote a story about Igor Shosturkin, and I think it's a message that we've kind of been talking about. We've been preaching pretty much the whole year that this Rangers team will only go as far as Igor can take them very much like last year. And despite adding guys like Tarasenko, adding guys like Kane, it all comes down to the goaltending and Igor, as you kind of wrote, he's getting his groove back, uh, you know, in, in the OT win against Buffalo, he stopped 32 of 33. And to quote you, because I, I like this quote, he stole two points for the New York Rangers. And um, it's, it's a good win. It's a must need win considering this uh, division that the, the Rangers are battling for right now. So how exactly is Igor getting his groove back, Mal? I'm not totally sure. I haven't had a lot of chances to talk to him. And that's definitely something that I hope to do in the next couple of days because I I am in complete agreement with you. Uh, It's been invaluable for the Rangers that it looks like Igor Shosturkin is starting to get back to his level of excellence that everybody has come to know from him, especially last season. But that that Sabres game, not only did he steal the two points, but that's just a sentence that I feel like I haven't written, that other people haven't been able to write as much as we did last season and even the season before. Probably only a couple times it's happened this season. Um, but the fact that even he was good in Montreal too, uh, it just, it even, even early on in the game against the Sabres, it did kind of look like he was having some trouble seeing the puck, looking behind him a little bit and, and having a, some sort of delayed reactions occasionally, but that he got sh- sharper as the game went on. 
And since since then, uh, since after that, it, he was he was really on top of his game. And like he said, that is that's just the way this Rangers team is built. That they have been so spoiled by elite goaltending over the years, and that's what the roster has come to know and expect. Um, so if they are able to get back into an offensive groove, then at the cost of some defensive lapses, which, but that's the thing. That's just, that's just how they're built, you know, and this is not, this is not nothing new. This it's everybody knows that this is how they've been built and they kind of just embraced it even more and brought in guys like Tarasenko and Kane. Um, it's up for debate whether or not that was the best move, but seriously, that's just, that's, that's who they have and that's how they're built. So they, with, with stellar goaltending from Igor Shosturkin and Yarrow Halak, they should be able to get away with it. They should, because you're not going to tell Artemi Panarin to play a different way. You're not going to tell Patrick Kane to play a different way. You're not going to see Artemi Panarin back checking as much as all the other guys, but that's who he is. He's the highest paid guy on the team. That's, that's just who he is. That's how he plays. And you don't want to apologize for it. You got to embrace it, but you also have to put all the pieces together. So that's the next step for this Rangers team. And again, it's only been three games with a full lineup with Patrick Kane in it. Let's not forget that three games, three games and Tyler Mott didn't play in one of them. And Ryan Lindgren hasn't played in any of them. So that's also another aspect to consider. Breathe. Breathe, just breathe. Give it, give it a little bit of time. Gallant is doing the right thing and and switching up the lines a little bit, um, because the early alignments were pretty discouraging. Lots of turnovers. So I think that you know you could argue that they do need some more time to gel. And I wouldn't be surprised if we saw that original alignment come back in the next uh, few games here. Um, but that's you know, that's where, where, where they're at right now. And it's just going to take some time. I feel. Absolutely. And, you know, as you mentioned, at least, you know, guys are starting to contribute. I mean, last episode of the podcast, we heard about uh, Patrick Kane and his uh, failure to launch in essence since coming on. But since then, two goals and has helped us, this Rangers team. But like you said, the backbone of this team is the goaltending. It is going to be Igor Shosturkin. It's going to be Halak. So where there are some of those defensive lapses, that's where you're hoping these guys will step up. And uh, you saw them step up on the road. Another piece of the Rangers that have been stepping up, though, is not the first or second or third, but the fourth line, the line of Jimmy Vesey, Barkley Goodrow and Tyler Mott. And again, another great article. Highly suggest everyone check it out on the Post website. Uh, Molly wrote about the fourth line. And look, one of the things I loved hearing from Coach Gallant is when he said that the Rangers don't play as, you know, the first line the second line he wants them playing as one line and that's essentially what this fourth line is kind of developed into last year we had the kid line this year we have the fourth line and um you know again kind of like igor they're finding their groove it's exactly what you want to see at this point what's the reaction from jimmy and barkley and tyler you know about how the fourth line has been operating recently they've seemed extremely comfortable and i think that it that's come out in the product on the ice as well talking to each of them individually about it it's it, the fact that Mott was out for a couple games there too, the fact that they haven't had a lot of time to gel, haven't had a lot of time to mesh and, and find out each other's tendencies, and they're still playing this well 
early on is a great sign. And for this team, the I feel like the fourth line, especially for a majority of the season, kind of was having an identity crisis. It's, I mean, every single line saw a bunch of different combinations, but the fourth line in particular just really felt like it was the leftovers in the lineup. No rhyme or reason, just kind of the last guys there that, you know, didn't fit into the top nine. And that's no way to be constructed. But it feels like, I mean, Jimmy VC and Barkley Goudreau have been two of the most consistent guys for the Rangers the entire season. Jimmy VC has been such a pleasant surprise, brings the same thing every night and just has such a great attitude about it as well. So putting those two together and then a pest like Tyler Mott, who is just all over the place, constantly applying pressure. Uh, they were the, they were the only line the last two games that was able to hold the offensive zone as, and make it look kind of effortless, but that's also a bit of a red flag for this Rangers team right now. The fact that the fourth line is looking like, and acting like one of the most consistent units. So that's obviously something that's going to have to change going forward. But after the fourth line was such kind of like a weird spot for the Rangers, a weak point, you know, even still Gallant will cut down on the minutes for the fourth line. But the fact that those guys have not only been, you know, looking like they have a lot of chemistry, but starting to contribute offensively too is huge for the Rangers. And that's, I think uh, Larry wrote it today is one of the best fourth lines since 2014. <laughs> so that's good for them. I mean, the Rangers do need to right now, they need to find that little consistency, especially in the fourth line spot, whatnot. And, you know, like you said, Jimmy VC has been a revelation. I've been saying it all year and it's great to see, you know, him really take hold of his roster spot. Quickly, before we get to Larry, here, Ryan Lindgren. Obviously, Rangers are getting healthier. They're getting certain guys back, but Ryan Lindgren um, misses seven straight game, longest stint in his uh, five-year NHL career, out for games, whatnot. Do we have any sort of update on him when we could possibly see him back? You think? I think we could see him back as early as Tuesday. Um, I I know that you know he's the type of guy he likes to be on the road trip no matter what, and he kind of said that the other day when we got to talk to him finally. So. I don't know if they came into the road trip without intention of playing him or if they were trying to see if he would come around and be able to go. Uh, But it does sound like he's on the ups. He said that the first couple of days were really tough. And he also said that this is an injury that he kind of experienced earlier on in the season. He missed two games earlier on. It was on that interference penalty from David Pasternak. Um, So this time around, it took a little bit longer to heal, he said. So I think that he's coming around and the Rangers just can't get him back soon enough. That's for sure. I'm all for, you know, letting guys take their time, especially at this very critical point of the season. We've got a month and a half left, roughly, and very, very big games coming up. So, um, you know, as long as he takes his time and Rangers get him back and healthy, that's the most important thing. Well, coming up, we have the Hall of Famer, Larry Brooks. You're going to want to hear this coming up next on the Up in the Blue Seat podcast. A lot of guys in there should be thankful Igor made those safe for now it's time to welcome in the Hockey Hall of Famer, the great Larry Brooks. As always, you can read Larry Brooks in the New York Post. Larry, Molly kind of teed it up in the last segment how you wrote an article and uh, uh, commenting on the Rangers' fourth line, which uh, we're kind of discovering here is, is is a rather important piece of this Ranger team currently. So I've got a twofold question. Well, actually, it's more so a question, and then I need you to do some homework for me here. So the question is your thoughts on the fourth line and as a homework assignment, whether you can give it to us on this week or maybe you know later in the week, whatnot. You bestowed Henrik Lundqvist the king name, and we still have the, the kid line. So now I need you to get come up with a line for the fourth line with VC, Goodrow, and Mott. We need something catchy, something that's going to make people go, you know, that's the fourth line. Think about that. Get back to me on it. But uh, your thoughts on the Rangers' current fourth line? Well, let, let's wait to see if it lasts more than 
more than a week. I think it will. I think it will. No, it will. Listen, I, I, um, Goodrow and, and VC have been two of the team's most consistent forwards all year while playing up. You know, Jimmy VC was a very effective top six player. Didn't score a lot, but he was very effective um, in on the forecheck, um, holding the puck below the, the hash marks. And Barkley Goodrow, you know, you know, brings that kind of um, game every every time he steps on the rink. So it's not a surprise that VC and Goodrow are being effective. And, and now that they've been joined by Tyler Mott, they have a defined responsibility. They have a defined role. They um, they can you know they're they're a four checking group. I mean, I I've always thought. That Jimmy VC was at his more most effective when he's physical, and that goes back to his rookie season. He and, and I, I think I've mentioned this before, um, but his series against Montreal in the first round in 2017, that's what he did. I mean, he was he was as physical a player as there was on that team. He carried it over a bit into the next round against Ottawa um, when the Rangers were upset um, or beaten. Actually, I, I guess they didn't have home ice. Um, so I, I, that's, that's the kind of game, you know, Jimmy VC has that quality in him. It, it doesn't, it, it doesn't materialize every game. You know, he's not a big player. He's not a big guy. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's hard, um, to carry that over 82 games, but in a, in a, uh, in a, in a limited, in a limited span, this is what he's made for, um, and so is Goodrow and 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 Tyler Mott, a, a you know an aggra- an aggravating player, um, not very big, but he's aggravating. He's he's in opponents' faces all the time, and and that's the kind of of chemistry I think the three are developing. And I think um, uh, as I, as I wrote, and it's for a piece that is appearing in Tuesday's paper. Um, it's their best best fourth line going into the playoffs since 2014, when they had Brian Boyle on the left, Dominic Moore in the middle, and either Dan Crosillo or Derek Dorsett on the right. That, that was a really good fourth line. Um, you know, Gallant likes to say, like every coach likes to say, he's a four line coach, but he's really not, and very few coaches are. Um, but with this unit, the Rangers need to become a four line team. They just they do. I mean, they they need to get their big guys on the ice, but there's a big guy on the ice all the time now. You know, it's not like they throw the first line on and that's it. And then you know, I mean, you're gonna have Kane, um, then you're gonna have Zabanajad, or you're gonna have Kane, then you're gonna have Panarin, and then you're gonna have Heedle. And so they're always gonna have offensive stars on the ice. It's important for them to give time to that fourth line because. They need to, they need to have shifts where they control the puck below the hash marks. They just need to, and um, that's a line that that does that extremely effectively. So um, I like that unit a lot. I think they uh, should get a lot of ice time. The the you know one issue with ice time is that VC and Goodrow um, kill penalties too, so they may miss a shift, and Mott will will jump in, so they may miss a shift here and there, um, coming off specialty teams. But um, it's it's not a traditional big banging physical uh, fourth line, but it's 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 a unit I think that can uh, change momentum of games, and I think that's you know essentially what you want your fourth line to be able to do. So that's the only line that 
Galant hasn't touched in the last couple games here. The rest of the lineup, on the other hand, has been pretty much in a blunder uh, for for six periods now or so. What lines do you want to see? Listen, I think it's important for them to to reach some sort of some sort of stability here. Um, there are only sixteen games to go. It's enough time, but it's it's not a lot of time. Um, and I, and I think they need to find their units. So on on one hand, I, I on one hand, I understand that Tarasenko and Zibanejad are beginning to form a little bit of chemistry together, and I like that. But that's not the line that I that I would. That's not the combination I would go with. And and in fact, I would go with um, an entirely new, really top six. I would I would like to see them um, go with Lafreniere on the left, Zibanejad in the middle, and Kane on the right. That's what I'd like to see their first line be because here you have you know on the left Lafreniere, energetic four checker. He's going to retrieve the puck. I think he wants more responsibility. I think he needs more responsibility at this time. You've got Patrick Kane on the right, one of the premier playmakers of you know the last fifteen years, and you've got the shooter in the middle, and you've got the shooter in the middle who is a great defensive player too. So that's my first line. My second line has Panarin, Fiedel, and Tarasenko. Fiedel and, 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 and Panarin haven't played together a lot. They, they've, they've been together for six games, I think around 90 minutes. Their numbers are pretty good. It's a very small sample size. But that's what I'd like to see. I, I'd like to see Heel and Panarin play. I'd like, I think Tarasenko um, gives a shooting mentality to that as well, along with Heedel. And I, and I think they complement Panarin's playmaking game, his pass-first game. And then I'd like to see the third line with Kreider, Trocek, and uh, Kako. I think, you know, Kreider and Trocek are straight line guys. They've played well together this year. Trocek's playing with a lot of bite now. I, I you know, of, of, of all the things that have happened in the last couple of weeks where the team is, has kind of been, in, you know, going through upheaval and, 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 and you know, contained turmoil. Um, just, you know, within their line, within their constant juggling and, and, and all the maneuvering they did, um, we don't need to, you know, go into detail on that again. But um, over the last couple of weeks, I think one of their really one of the significant bright spots has been Trocek. Um, I think he has elevated his game. I think he's playing the way he did for Carolina last year against the Rangers in the playoffs. I mean, Every shift he was on, he was in somebody's face. He was barking at somebody. He was, you know, he was jabbing somebody. He was around the net all the time. And watching him um, play in that second round last year, he was a player you looked at and said, you know what, the Rangers could use this. And I and I think it's taken a long time for Trocek to get to this place, um, but he's here now. And and again, I think you know you have a straight line combination: Trocek, Kreider, and Kako. And so that would be my third line. Um, I think they're also a line that would be able to control the puck below the hash marks. But I think that regardless of of what they do this week, of how they line up this week, it's going to be a challenging week. It it is. You know, Washington is desperate and uh, who who was in on Tuesday night. And then the Penguins Thursday and Saturday, they see the chance to catch the Rangers. And it's there, you know. Um, so, but however the Rangers line up this week, I'd like to see it gestate for a while. I, 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 and this is not a criticism of the coach who's been, you know, who's been, who's been given this 
alphabet soup of ingredients and and you know on the fly um you know down the stretch is 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 trying to come up with a recipe here um so i i don't you know this is not a criticism of him of 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 gallant but i i think it's important that what the rangers do they they give it a little time to breathe and and they don't switch it if it if it, they don't switch it in the third period against the caps and they don't switch it in the second period against the penguins. I, I you know, I, I think they, I think they need some, some, some permanence here. Um, Cause again, there are, there are, you know, there, there is time, but there's not a lot of time to start from scratch. You know, most teams don't start from scratch following the trade deadline. And it feels to me that that's kind of what the Rangers are doing now. Um, I, I think they're, I think they're resourceful enough and talented enough to get by but getting by is not what anyone is looking for from this team. Um, so those are my combinations. <laughs> I, I wouldn't expect to see them, um, but that's how I would go. Gallant was so funny in Buffalo on Friday talking about how he was, tr- he basically was like, I'm trying so hard not to switch the lines to try to, cause he knows that they need time to breathe and they need time to gel. But that being said, those early combinations bleeding turnovers and it wasn't just like not in cart like just not discouraging or you know just a couple bad games but it was it was bad like he had to change them he had to do it another guy who's probably struggling a little bit right now Artemi Panarin just what's your assessment of him lately I mean he's just been also a bit of a turnover machine you took that OT penalty on Sunday just what are you seeing from him I think he's trying to do way too much to accommodate pain and, you know, and, and it's natural. I, you know, I get it. I, you know, I mean, he wants to do everything to make his, his, his former line mate and his friend feel comfortable. He's trying to force it to him. I think he's, you know, he's got, he, he's taken on not only his own weight, but the weight on Patrick Kane too. And it, and it's too much there. There's, you know, he, he needs to simplify his game. Um, he, you know, he's, he's he like going in a million directions at once now. Um, it's so I think Panarin needs to settle down a little bit here. I think separating him from Kane would be, is a good thing. Um, look, look, as this goes on and this evolves, you can always put them back together again at some point. Which I think will happen, honestly. Well, you know what? I, I think too, I, I, we'll see how it plays out, but I, but the difference between, the way Gallant is coaching this year and last year has a lot to do with the fact that, you know, in his line combinations, has a lot to do with the fact that last year there were two solid combinations, you two solid two-man combinations you could always count on. And that was Kreider and Zibanejad, who played together every game last year, every game. And there was Panarin and Strom. And they don't have that this year. They, and but that's what they need to find, and they need to find that fairly quickly. They need to find two man combinations before they then fill in with the third. And that's and that's you know when, when I look at my lines, um, you, know, <laughs> you know I tried to start there, um, but I you know again I, I think Artemi needs to you know relax a little bit you know he, he seems like he's just jitter you know a jitterbug all over the place on the ice and you know he's trying to handle the puck at a million miles an hour I just you know I, I think he just needs to step back from it a little bit um um you know not take Patrick Kane's weight 
and just go about his own business and and let Cain, you know, fend for himself as 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 much as possible. One last thought on the lines, though, knowing what we know about Gallant and seeing how he's operated this season. My impression in that is that he does look at Kreider and Zibanejad, Panarin and Trocek as his two duos that he really likes to lean on, though. So I almost kind of want to see Kane and Tarasenko switch, too, just to try that out. You know, why not? Just the, their two top six guys flip them um, and see how that pans out. That's my top six. Yeah, well, I'd like to see <laughs> Kane with Zibanejad. I yeah, mean, you know, exactly. That's what I'd like to see. And then if you want, it, look, I, I'm fine with playing. I'm fine with playing Kreider up there too. I, I just, I, I think, um, I just think the Kreider, Trocheck connection is a little stronger than Lafreniere, Trocheck would be. The other thing, Kreider, Trocheck, and Kako, we saw that line briefly on Sunday, and they were very noticeable, very, very noticeable. I think I, I, I don't know, remember how many. Let's see. Let's see. Do I have it up here? I think I do. Yeah, here we go. Kreider, Trocek, they logged six minutes and 36 seconds together. So it was very brief, but it was pretty encouraging. I, I really liked it. So I would agree with you in that sense. Um, moving on, we do have a few leftover subtext questions from my Molly mailbag uh, that didn't make the cut. So we got this one from Martin uh, Carangelo. What is wrong with Adam Fox? This is the worst hockey we've seen him play. Is he hurt? That's a good question because I, I I actually touch on that topic in this piece uh, for Tuesday. Um, this is is probably the most ordinary he's been over an extended stretch. Um, um, I'm not sure whether you know maybe there's a little bit of fatigue if he's playing through something. Um, you know that that's I, I think that's it's been a lot of minutes. Yeah, I know. And, and and I think that's always the the default position when when Adam Fox struggles, you think there's something wrong, you know, because this is not Adam Fox. But, you know, the way we say, oh, that's that's not like Adam. There there have been moments of that's not, you know, that's not Adam moments in every game, basically. Um, and it, it, look, I, I think part of it is um, missing Lindgren, who I mean, they're you know, there's salt and pepper, or whatever, you know, you know, the straw know, that stirs butter, the drink. You know. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but Fox actually started to have trouble before Lindgren went out of the lineup. I mean, he had, he had about a week. I thought it was toward the end of the trip through, uh, through Canada and through Western Canada in the middle of last month, where suddenly his decisions seemed off and he was forcing plays. And um, so I'm not sure. I mean, you know, the best players in the league are allowed you know, two or three weeks where they're ordinary. If anyone on this Rangers team is, you know, um, doesn't have to apologize for that, it's Adam Fox. Um, at the same time, though, the Rangers need him to to pick it up again. They they can't get by with an ordinary Adam Fox. They need Adam Fox to be one of the best two, three, four defensemen in the league, which he essentially has been since his rookie season. So, um, I'm 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 you know not overly concerned. But it's but it's been part of of the problem for sure. We got one from Zbop. What's the top priority for the Rangers this summer regarding roster and cap constraints? Is it getting Philip Hedel signed, extending Ryan Lindgren, maybe trading one of the kids for someone more established? Well, I think we'll find out. Actually, I don't. I don't. I don't think we'll know that until the until the season ends. Um, I think a lot. You know, a lot of 
a lot of the decisions will, will be informed by how players play in the playoffs. And so, um, yes, they, they, there's a serious challenge ahead. Um, but can players play themselves into the picture off their playoff performance? For, for sure. Can players play themselves out of the picture if they're ineffective in the playoffs or, or you know, the next month? For sure. So I think, you know, put that on hold for now. I think um, there will be a I think there'll be an evaluation not only of um, individual players and the personnel, but of the way this roster was constructed. Um, after the playoffs, I mean, is is this the way? Is a and and I and I, I've talked about this a lot. I've written about this a lot. Is trying to is constructing a team with three scoring lines the way you know? Can you win the Stanley Cup that way? I'm I'm skeptical. Um, I think, as, as I've said many times, you need a third line that's a hard edged matchup shutdown line. You go with two, you know, you go with two scoring lines. And you have the third checking line, and you have your fourth one. That I mean, that's my formula. Um, maybe it's a little bit old school, um, but you know that that's what I would prefer. And I and I think that it'll be you know an interesting, you know, an interesting experiment to see how the Rangers do in in this year's playoffs because they will have enough maneuverability over the summer to make these kinds of decisions if they if they want to try and reconstruct their roster rather than just. Um, add to it you know um they can't they couldn't do it at the deadline it was unrealistic for for chris jury suddenly to say you know what we need to have a a shutdown line yeah couldn't do it um you know not the way they're set up so they'll ride this way and and we'll see and then i think um you know there'll be obviously evaluations once the season is is over i think the other thing that we'll find out in the playoffs is whether or not all the cap gymnastics and running the team into the ground was worth it to acquire Patrick Kane, which I feel like is going to be a pretty underrated narrative that the Rangers could be staring in the face come the playoffs. So that's also something I'm I'm curious to see because right now, in addition to the fact that they look out of sync and a little disjointed or a lot disjointed, they look tired to me too, as well, after playing shorthanded and especially with the defensemen, how many minutes they had to skate in that crazy stretch there. So that's something that I feel like is also a looming question for them as well. Would not be the first time they faced a issue like that. Larry, before we let you go, uh, one more. You wrote over the weekend about how the Rangers are probably, possibly, the third best team in the metro area. <laughs> and I'm sure that that ruffled a lot of Rangers fans feathers there. Uh, obviously, you said you're not handing out any Stanley Cups or anything like that. But what's your thoughts on the metro currently right now, at least uh, the metro area between the Islanders, Devils and the Rangers and uh, what the Rangers need to do to, I guess, get back on the upside here? Well, I think the Devils are, are, are the best team in the area. They, they have been, honestly, since the second week of the season. They had a, a bit of a dip um, what in, in January, maybe, but they were covered. From that so quickly and 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 so well, um, they passed Carolina on Sunday night. Um, they're the team to beat in the Metro, um, loaded with talent. I mean, you talk about the Rangers' talent. Devils, <laughs> the Devils are right there, and and there and and there's and there's a lot less wear and tear on those uh, on their players and 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 those legs. There's no question about it. 
The Islanders are you know, the Islanders. Um, look, I, I I think the Rangers have a better team than the Islanders. Um, but the the Islanders are a tough, mentally tough team that can shut it down. They're also built for the playoffs. I feel and and, right. They're they're built for this time of year. I I you know. I don't think they're built for the 82 game haul and they just managed to survive really the first 60 games of this. Um, you know, they, they, and, and, and the reason or, or um, a primary reason is their goaltending is that Sorokin is, is to them what Shesterkin was to the Rangers last year, but Sorokin does it every year. Sorokin has been more consistent than Shesterkin throughout his, you know, their brief careers. Um, so I think the Rangers are, are you know, are, are better one to twenty than the Islanders. I think they, you know, they're, they're far more talented, but but the Islanders can shut it down, and they're built for this, and they're built for this time of year. They're, you know, they're built for tight for playing in tight spaces. Rangers aren't, and so I didn't necessarily say the Rangers were the third best team in the area. I said are in the <laughs> just posing the question just posing the question innocently no big deal i should send that into molly mailbag yeah you should <laughs> hey listen you, you gotta ask a question you never know it's worth posting uh larry you gotta be hungry for alphabet soup so i'm gonna let you go here thanks so much for coming on and we'll talk to you next week all right sounds good thanks i'm gonna start changing lines every period now and that wraps up episode 117 of the Up in the Blue Seats podcast, our New York Rangers podcast from the New York Post. You can catch up on all episodes of the podcast by subscribing to the Up in the Blue Seats podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. Take a shot every time I say the word podcast. If you're watching us right now on the YouTube page for the New York Post Sports, please click that thumbs up button, comment below. Tell us how you're feeling about the blue shirts right now. You know, it's getting to that, that, that crunch time here. Let us know and maybe we'll get back to you on that. You can uh, also give us a follow on Twitter, Molly Walker, that's two E's and two R's, and myself, Andrew Hartz, H-A-R-T-S, no E there, so you can kill that as well. Molly, as we uh, mentioned earlier, you uh, spent your birthday this past uh, week in Buffalo. Did you do anything fun up there? It was a really hectic travel day. Like, it was like the worst travel day of my career, if I'm being quite honest with you. I had a 7 a.m. flight, which included a 4.30 a.m. wake up, and then it was delayed out of Montreal and there were no direct flights from Montreal to Detroit, I mean, to, to Buffalo. So I had to do a layover in Detroit. And because my flight was delayed an hour, if my second flight, my connection wasn't delayed the 30 minutes that it was, I would have missed it and I would have missed practice. And not only would I have been furious that I woke up at 4.30 a.m. for nothing, but I wouldn't have gotten to be wished a happy birthday by all the Rangers players, which was so much appreciated and a really cool moment for me. Um, I always wish them a happy birthday, so they probably felt absolutely obligated to wish me a happy birthday. And I share a birthday with Tyler Mott, too. So him and I were like that Spider-Man meme. Happy birthday, happy birthday. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was fun. It was a good practice. And um, as long as I made it there in time, that was really all I cared about. But I am still catching up on sleep from that day. It was pretty brutal. <laughs> and we went out to dinner. Uh, me and my friend Rachel, she works for Buffalo Spectrum News. She took me to a really nice place in Buffalo and we had some cocktails and some lobster and I was very happy. <laughs> Once you start mixing in you know, a little lobster, hopefully it was, mm -hmm. uh, you had plenty of meat in the lobster. Um, yeah. 
between Molly and I. Unfortunately, no one else is going to get that. But... Maybe we'll tell that story another day because <laughs> it's a good one. It's a good one. Listen, it sounded like a hectic day. At least everything kind of worked out. There's not too many people that can say that they get a happy birthday wish from the entire New York Rangers. That's freaking awesome. You know, listen, it, it, it could have been worse. You could have been in oral surgery, getting your wisdom teeth taken out like our uh, compadre, Jake Brown. So uh, who we wish well wishes to and uh, hopefully recovers well and get to see if he has a chipmunk mouth next week. So until then, though, for Molly Walker, Larry Brooks, I'm Andrew Harris. We're back next week for another episode. Thanks for listening and uh, stay safe. Later, folks.